0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hey everyone, Natalie Warnert here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with Wea stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Hana Janan. Hanna is an Agile Marketing Practitioner, Brand Strategist, and Lead for the Accenture Solutions IQ Marketing Strategy. She also serves as the Production Manager for the popular Agile Amped podcast series and also the Production Manager for this very Women in Agile podcast series. And Hanna, I'm so glad that we get to chat today because you and I just don't get to talk enough anymore. Hi, Leslie. I am so glad too. Good, good, good. I'm glad you're here. And we're actually, we're going to pull on your expertise in marketing today and talk about personal branding, which I think is such an interesting thing for us to lean into sort of in this time of economic uncertainty. Um, And and I actually get really curious about the intersection of people's professional brand images and how that intersects with more pure personal brand image, Mm -hmm. especially when we think about things like social justice, or maybe I have my own side business and I'm a photographer and how I can tell that kind of cohesive story. That's my full authentic picture and not just like how I show up at work or how I show up as the craft person on Etsy and how I show up as an activist and all of that. Mm And that's a lot. Yeah, (laughs) it is a lot. And it's Yeah. And so um, before we get there, though, mm-hmm. um, I do love hearing everyone's story about how they found Agile or how it found them. Well, you actually, do know that I asked this question to everybody. I do.
1: And I, thought, I was thinking about it. And it's actually funny because you found me. So I was recruited to uh, Solutions IQ, and you were the hiring manager at the time. Um, yeah. So. I was working, this was what, three and a half years ago, I was working for an IT t- uh, IT training company and um, probably like about a year before that, my boss had left and I had been doing her, it was like marketing director, I had been doing her job and then when it came time to apply for the actual position uh, for the marketing director, I never even was let into the interview with the CEO because the CEO decided to hire his buddy for the job. So then I have this new boss and um, he turned out to be a little tough uh, to deal with. He would make people cry in meetings. Um, and I think I worked for him for a couple of months and you know, the recruiter had already contacted me and I just gave him a call like, hey, are you still hiring? And, and then came over to Solutions Like You.
0: Yeah, it feels... It feels like a lifetime ago though.
1: I know, I know
0: it does. And and so there's a really interesting thing that I think you're pointing to here because the other topic I always get curious about is like, and so what have you experienced about the role of women in our agile community? But that mm-hmm. intersection with marketing is also interesting because yeah. I think we tend to associate women more so like professionally with marketing type yep. careers. Like, oh yeah, there's lots of women in marketing. Yep. And so compare and contrast that transition because you're still a marketing practitioner, Mm -hmm. but now you're working within an agile organization. What have you noticed about being a strong professional female going through that transition?
1: Yeah. um, I Yeah, so there's a lot more women, I think, working in marketing as opposed to the agile community. Um, But what I've noticed just coming over to the agile community is I've had so many strong female role model models in the community, including you. Um, and, you know, I would attend a lot of the conferences and this is how this podcast originally started. You know, we would bring agile amp to all the agile conferences and they would typically have a women in agile session and I'd always attend. And then I would invite the speaker to be a guest on agile amp. And then we eventually decided to turn this into its own podcast. But you know, I just felt the community in those in those sessions, and yeah, I've kind of gotten a different um perspective, I think because i have been I feel like I've been surrounded by women in agile this whole time
0: yeah, and so what has that done for you in terms of your own development and confidence and just outlook on the world uh, it has
1: absolutely absolutely just pushed me forward i had an amazing um boss uh for the first three years at solutions iq who was always pushing me to you know try new things she pretty much just handed agile amp to me like hey you do your thing with it and it's become what it's become since then um so always giving me challenges um things that i didn't think that i could do she would just like assume that i could and and i did so um for me developmentally it's been it's been an amazing journey.
0: That's great. Any story or pivotal moment you want to share with us? Um, well, I think um,
1: I can talk about this podcast. I mean, this was a huge thing. Like I said, it started as a grassroots thing that we just kind of started, you know, making a little women in agile series. And then you and I really decided that, hey, this should be an actual thing. Um, and we partner with Natalie. At the Women in Agile organization to actually launch this. You did so much work, um, you know, a couple of months leading up to the launch, getting podcasts like I think we did like ten or twenty, um, yeah, recorded before we even launched, and just yeah. and then getting the community to embrace it and promote it has been a really cool part of my job. I have to admit. yeah, yeah,
0: it is, and I just I, I'll have to say like you make it so easy. Cause I just get to like find cool people to have conversations with and show up and talk to them and learn so much and like you make all the magic happen.
1: I think you make but- it easy because you just give me all this material and all I have to do is get it edited and that, pushed out. So
0: well, m- mutual appreciation yeah. loop and love going yeah. back and forth for sure. So much fondness I have for you, Hanna. The um the thing I'm always astounded by though is like Every time I turn around and I record an episode with somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to be the best one ever. And then like, I talk to the next guest and it's just like, there's so many amazing women. Yes. Uh, It's endless.
1: It's been, and it's as a, you know, somebody who came into agile from not knowing anything three and a half years ago, and then taking on these podcasts, I learned so much from you know, every week listening to a couple of podcasts from all these experts about the Agile um, community and the terms and all the ideas in it, I just learned through just listening to those and writing descriptions. And I feel privileged to have had that opportunity, um, you know, to get into this.
0: Yeah. And so with that in your Agile learning, what is it about Agile that shaped your work as a marketer? Oh, um, Obviously, <laughs> we still have
1: a lot of work it's still craziness as it is in marketing a lot of times, but it has been really refreshing to have the structure that we have, especially using scrum, um, you know, to knowing what the priority do- priorities are, I mean, we still get people saying like, hey, this is your new priority, like shift everything. But it is good to like actually um, have the um, Responsibility of knowing, like, what have you accomplished? Um, what do you have in the backlog to like have the structure for it um, has been different than before. It was just kind of like, I don't know, you just had this huge backlog of things and nobody was helping you really prioritizing it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it's been good. That's and what I love about having been a consumer of working for like with your agile marketing approach is like the ability to give fast feedback Mm -hmm. versus like at the end, see something and be like, oh my gosh, I don't agree with that at all. But as a stakeholder, being able to be iteratively involved in campaign development and messaging and brand positioning, all of that stuff, like it makes the rollout and the adoption across the community even easier as Mm -hmm. well. And I love yeah. and
1: I love the fact that we are actually able to literally talk to the community. When we go to agile events, we get the feedback right then and there. Like when we create swag, like the Agileist shirt has been a huge success. And people still come up to our booth um, asking for it, like, hey, can you bring that back? Or, um, you know, I can ask Agile AMP listeners, hey, what is it that you want to hear more about? And um, we've done surveys, like, hey, what is that something that you need to hear more about? And For example, agile portfolio management was something that everyone said, hey, I need to learn more about this. So we started, you know, getting more content around that. So it's been awesome to be able to interact with our audience so easily.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think part of the ability to build that engagement with the audience and actually hear back from them Mm -hmm. is because of the strength of the brand, And and it's relying on your network and having that intimacy and that connection and that relationship with what your network is, which I think is kind of the perfect segue to this idea of our personal branding Mm -hmm. and how we position ourselves within our profession, within our personal lives, and how all of that works together. And so it's been a couple years now that this has sort of been a passion of yours and you've been running seminars and workshops and yep. doing talks on this. So when when you sit down to somebody and they just go, "All right, Hannah, like I'm totally clueless about personal branding. Mm-hmm. Like where do I start? <clears throat> How do you even describe this to people?"
1: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> a lot of times people come to me and they are like, "Hey, you know, when they hear that I'm talking about personal branding, they're like, "Well, so what should I do with my Instagram or How do I, you know, what I do on social media. And I want to take a step back and have them think about like, what is your, what is your goal for your brand? Like, you know, what is that you're trying to do? If you're an agile consultant, um, what is that you're trying to portray and really think about like, what are your strengths and what do you want to bring to your workplace Um, and start from there instead of just like trying to be loud and visible and not really having an end goal in mind. So that's probably the first thing
0: purpose motive is so important even in our work as agilists. So we don't want to do scrum for the sake of doing scrum. We do scrum for a reason. Exactly. So why would I go like work on refining my personal brand unless I even like have a purpose behind what I want that brand Mm -hmm. to be?
1: Yeah. And then sometimes, um, one of the things, you know, a lot of people have a personal brand, like a consulting, but, um, we also have side hobbies, or or maybe like an Etsy shop, or maybe a photographer that wants to have a side business. So first of all, you want to think about like, are you the brand or are you behind the brand? So let's say you're a uh, photographer. So I'm gonna use. I just got engaged, so I'm, you know, booking a wedding and looking at vendors. So I'm gonna use a wedding photographer as an example. Um, so if you are a wedding photographer. Um you want to think about what does your audience want to see, right? Like if they are posting pictures of their lunch or um, their kits or something, that is not going to help your audience know your work or anything. So you want to focus on your work and show what your strengths are. So you want to show pictures of brides and grooms and and things like that that you can you can bring to the table not, not your personal um, life as much. So make sure that you separate kind of like your your personal social media from your brand social media, right?
0: Yeah, and that, I guess that comes into the question of: Am I, you know, your wedding photography by Leslie Morse, or is it you know some mm-hmm. other company name, and I just happen to be the practitioner behind? Exactly. You know, elegantweddingphotos.com right, or right. whatever it might be. <laughs> right,
1: and and even though, like, even if you use, like, a logo as your brand and you don't have your name associated with it, it's still okay to kind of be the, the person behind the brand. Um, you can still um, make a connection with people because people like to do business with people they trust. They don't do business yeah. with logos. So make yeah. sure that you can still, like, insert yourself. Like, for example, if we take Instagram, for example – um, you can use your feed as the kind of the professional looking for, you know, photography, but then you could use Instagram stories for those everyday moments and like sharing things about your life and like behind the scenes and things like that. So there's things that you can do there too.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think there's something you're pointing to here around, um, it's not just the aesthetic of the brand but I think I'm also getting curious about like, it's the content strategy that goes Mm -hmm. along with it. Yeah. Um, And it's more than just Instagram. It's more than just LinkedIn. You've got Facebook. So how do you, how does your personal branding strategy change across platforms? And those are all social media things and it's more than probably just social media. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I'll give you an example. I had a colleague of mine that you probably also know. She came to me asking, "How should I brand on um, you know d- different platforms?" She's a agile consultant and she has her you know professional brand. She has a LinkedIn profile where she talks about agile and um, you know her her work in the professional community. But she's also an author of a fiction novel, and she writes under a pen name yeah <clears throat> so and she had an instagram account for that and she was like should i combine these how should i approach this and my recommendation was to keep them separate like you have a completely different audience for those two so keep your linkedin your professional channel for your you know your, your work and then keep instagram for your pen name and and the audience for that fiction book so those are two different things and i wouldn't mix those two
0: so this kind of brings me back to where I started around that blending of professional life, personal life, maybe personal passion projects that mm-hmm. are monetized like photography or yep. whatever it might be. And then like your stance perhaps like, perhaps is like a social advocate. Mm-hmm. And right for me, one of my core values is really being like fully in integrity Bring my whole self, be authentic. Right. So that idea of compartmentalizing, and I happen now to not be a Facebook user, mm-hmm. but that idea of like just using LinkedIn for this and just using Instagram for that or just using certain channels for different things yeah, almost feels inauthentic mm-hmm. because the way I show up is fully whole or at least yeah. I aspire to mm-hmm. be fully whole and integrated no matter what the situation is. Yeah. So how do people navigate that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's always your personal choice. So me, for example, my Instagram is private. Um, I have pictures of my kids. I have pictures of, you know, me in a bikini that I don't want everybody to see that I don't know. So I keep mine private. um, And I actually direct people on my Instagram bio to go to LinkedIn if they want to connect with me professionally. Um, But then I use LinkedIn a lot for my, you know, professional career. I have i would think really well built out linkedin profile which is where i talk about um you know i talk about agile and things related to my industry but at the same time i do still try to like bring my personality into it and i might talk i mean i talk about my you know women's empowerment a lot a lot you know about women in agile and things like that that i care about on that platform too but for you it's totally okay and great that you bring your advocacy, for example, to Instagram, and you feel comfortable with that. And it's always, you know, you want to think about like, what's more important to you? Like, do you care about losing followers for stating an opinion, right? And it's always should be integrity and standing for something that should be more important than thinking about whether or not I'm going to lose followers for this, right? Yeah, um, yeah.
0: <clears throat> so I think it's a personal choice. That's that's true, yeah, the um when I think about choices, I think about agile, and I'm for the first time in my career, really, really being a product manager, mm-hmm. like have a development team really ordering the backlog, like I'm having to decide what are the bets we need to make. Mm-hmm for how we develop and iterate on this product and add the most value to our customers where we need to get feedback. And feedback is really where I wanna point with this next part of the conversation, which is, okay, I'm iterating on what my kind of brand image is and what that might, my, maybe my, my personal content strategy and all of these things are. Um, what are the things that I can look to maybe beyond just followers Mm -hmm. Um, And how do I get access to some of the data that can give me feedback on as I'm pivoting and iterating if it's working Mm -hmm. or detracting from my purpose? Yeah. Um, So I think that
1: social media is a great place to test for marketing, you know, test your messages. Um, And what I would look at is engagement, not so much, um, you know, follower count or. You know, I would look at comments and the types of comments that you get, um, shares and things like that. People share when they really, really, really care about it. They might like if it is like, Mm. you know, Um, so like true engagement, that's what I would look at. Um, And then, of course, you know, you do have some measuring tools um, on social platforms that you can go and look at, look at the engagement rate and things like that. So that's what I would focus on. Um, Okay. Yeah.
0: And then and that's mostly stuff we can get directly within those social channels, or do we need to go get some other like widget that's gonna help us understand all of that?
1: No, you can you can get that on the obviously the channel itself. Um, and then there's differences between like, let's say if you want to make your uh, your Instagram like a business profile, there's a lot more choices for business profiles. They give you analytics and things like that. But then what I caution you about is if you turn your personal Instagram profile into a business profile, and Instagram is owned by Facebook, and what Facebook has done, at least on that platform, is they pretty much have cut out any kind of organic reach that you have as a business, because they want to force you to buy, they want to force you to advertise, right? They want to force you to put money behind you reaching people, which is something that may or may not also happen on Instagram. So. I, it might be better just to keep your actual personal
0: profile and just literally just look at the stats that you get on there. Gotcha. And so let's use that like as social channels evolve, especially for the purpose of marketing and then monetizing your ability to market and reach mm-hmm. your audience. Um, what, what things are you guiding people towards that are beyond those classic social media channels?
1: Yeah. Um, so I always advise people to, Uh, have their own website, Um, you know, get the URL for your name if you can. Um, And then have a website as kind of the the main hub for your content. Um, That's what's going to be found on Google searches where people search for your name. Um, There's nobody's going to change it for you. Uh, You know, there are social platforms that come and go. And if you just build all of your uh, content on a platform that goes away at some point, or stops showing that content to people, then that's it. Like you don't have any control over it. So I always recommend having your own website that you own and you are in control of that content on there.
0: You got me curious about a topic that I already wanted to know. I explored TJ cause you talked about get a URL of your name. And as women, there are social norms associated with our names, mm. especially when you do things like get engaged or right something like I'm doing, right. I'm consciously decoupling from my partner. And mm-hmm. so I've got name choices to make. Um, so it's these, um, We'll get to that in a second. But you talk right the word content, writing this, photographing that. Oh man, I'm not a good photographer. Maybe I really feel really insecure about my ability to write. Um, how much when we think about content strategy for building your personal brand mm-hmm. really needs to be your own original content versus I am sharing content of others and adding just a little bit of commentary about it? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, you want to choose, if you produce content, choose the platform or the the medium that you're comfortable with. So if you're not a good writer, maybe you can do videos or maybe you can get on a podcast and talk more easily. Um, But I think it's completely okay just to share other people's content, but then make uh, smart commentary on it so that people can get a sense of what did you think about it and what is your kind of point of view instead of just like sharing it. And that's it. Um, I, you know, I haven't written that much content on LinkedIn, but when I share things, I put my own commentary on it. And I've had people say, Hey, I love following your feed because you always post stuff that's interesting. Um, so yeah, that's an absolutely a strategy for, for building an audience.
0: Okay. And so it's like, cause sometimes I, I love to write, but I don't, I have chosen not to make time for writing. (laughs) That's a new phrase I'm practicing. Um, I've got a a friend that said to me recently, "Um, I didn't have time to. And then he goes, no, I chose not to make time to do this. And so that's for me. I'm, for whatever reason, choosing not to make time to Mm -hmm. write. So um, I tend to be sharing more content of others. But sometimes I feel like, am I just cheating and not doing it the right? way, which is, I mean, I'm using, you guys can't see this, but I'm using quotation fingers the right way, which I realize is also a very like feminine insecurity sort of, oh my gosh, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think about Lynn Casley, who we was one of our first guests on the Women in Agile podcast series last year and the book Ish and how, right, how we work with perfectionism in Mm -hmm. our personal brand strategy. So what's that been like for you and what advice do you have for others? Just go
1: and do something. Like it does not have to be perfect. You're going to learn as you go. Um, and and one of the things that I have to point out here is, you know, we talk about social media and we talk about producing content and things like that. At the end of the day, it's really your interactions with people, whether it's online or in person, that matter, right? So you are building personal brand at work when you're, you know, working on projects and things like that. And that's what matters is how, how you you interact with people in person, not just like the image that you put out there. Right. So so keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. And that makes me think about something I have not been making time for, which is like, I will broadcast, 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 but I don't follow up and interact Mm -hmm. and comment and be more engaged in the relationship aspect of my brand as much as I could be. And that, I mean, this is work if you're really gonna do it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it is absolutely. This is a commitment, especially if you decide to like start producing content and start building your brand on whichever social platform. It's a lot of work. It it requires you to you know post consistently. It requires you to not just like put stuff out there, but also engage with people. So you want to be commenting yeah. on people's you know comments to your posts or even on their other pages. This is it's supposed to be social media, not broadcast, you know, one directional media. So the whole yeah. purpose is to really engage with other people on there.
0: Yeah, I, I I know my personal edge with that is if I can't, if I can't engage in meaningful ways, I'm just not going to engage at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it is embarrassing for me to look at my phone and the number of LinkedIn notifications I have right now. Yeah. And the bigger it gets, the less I want to open it, <laughs> because yeah. it's like all this I'll use an agile term like technical debt yep. <laughs> of my LinkedIn account that it just gives me anxiety. Yeah, because um, it's so much work to stay on top of yeah. it. But I think there's one of these things of especially with the economic uncertainty, mm-hmm. right? Companies doing layoffs. Yeah, uh, everything kind of about the nature of how a lot of us do business is changing. The moment you need your personal brand in order to land your next gig or your next job is kind of too late. Yeah, to start working on it.
1: Yes, this is why I have been preaching this to people. Like, go ahead and get started. At, you know, get it started now, so that you are already kind of on the runway. When if and when something happens, or if even if you're ready to change jobs, um, you know, voluntarily, you want to have that built up already, so that it's going to be a whole lot easier than, than starting from scratch. Um, I think there's a saying, what is it? Like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the next best time is today. So yeah, if you haven't, then get it started now. But it's always good to keep it in mind throughout your career, not just at those points where you need a new job. Um, One of the important things that people forget is, you know, you are interacting with with people at work constantly um, and you're even getting performance feedback from your superiors and things like that ask them to also post that on LinkedIn as a recommendation and that's what recruiters are going to look at if you have tons of recommendations um, from other people i mean that's
0: that's great to have right yeah yeah that's really it's a good point i've never actually done that oh my gosh really yeah i really i yeah i should have done that okay we have to do especially that for especially each other, during my like last right career away. transition yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly to no, exactly. do that yeah yeah, I've written recommendations for other people, but never been like, would you please write one for me? Oh, it's, it's super easy. You yeah. just go
1: to the recommendations and write a quick note about what exactly you guys did together and remind them and ask them to do a quick recommendation. I even have a template for um, how to write a recommendation
0: in five, five minutes, so it's super easy. Oh, I'll have to get that from you. Maybe we, can we put, can we put that in the show notes for this? Yeah, I can figure it out. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So that's what, <laughs> it's great to just have you on here. Then I know when I ask that question, you can answer it. Um, okay, so then let's circle back to this whole name thing. Because there are social norms, right? As females in Western society, you marry someone, you take the man's last name, mm-hmm. right? The patriarchy is kind of <laughs> right. defined that as a practice for us. Or there's that question of you are no longer married to someone, do you keep or not keep? that Mm -hmm. name. And so as women, when we go through name changes, um, how do you talk to people about that? What do you do with your LinkedIn profile when you go from Hannah Janan to Hannah? Henson. I I was like, (laughs) I can't remember Houston's last name. (laughs) Yeah. So like, how do you guide people through name changes for marriage or for divorce? Yeah. Um, Again, this is going to be a
1: personal choice for me. Since my current last name is my ex husband's, I cannot wait to drop it and and change it. Um, so I'm just going to drop it, and people are going to figure out pretty soon. Since I'm going to keep my same, you know, picture again, you have to have a profile picture on LinkedIn. Um, So if I keep my same picture, I think they can pretty quickly figure out that that's still me with the same first name. Um, but <clears throat> I've seen people do different things. They may you know, at their former name in parentheses, for example, and then eventually drop it. <clears throat> um, they may um, change their name and maybe write a post that, you know, they're changing their name, but there's there's all kinds of ways to approach it. Um, it's your personal choice, again.
0: Yeah, I just I think about the people Google the name they know. Mm-hmm. And they Google that, and it's not there. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is there. I guess that's the question after you change your name, when someone Googles Hannah Janan, mm-hmm. will Hannah Henson come up? We'll see. <laughs> I'll get back to you in like a year. Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious about that. I I mean, I, so I've done this before. My domain for forever was leslieshearer.com. Mm-hmm. And then I was no longer a Shearer. And so I was like, well, if I get married again, my name will change again. So like, my maiden name was Leslie Johnson. I'm like, well, I'll always be Leslie J something. Mm-hmm. So that was how I ended up landing on Leslie J.com for whatever wasn't available, mm-hmm. but Leslie J.net was. Mm-hmm. So even my handle is now Leslie J.net spelled out. Cause I'm like, it'll always be something. Yeah. Although it makes people, it makes for a good conversation because people go are you like a developer? Do you develop in .NET and C-sharp? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's literally .NET spelled out. Yeah. Um, so that well, makes for a fun conversation. But yeah. it's like, those are interesting things for people to think about. Yeah,
1: so if you have a website that's under your old name, you can always create a new website or redirect that URL redirect. to your, your yep. new name, right? And Google's going to figure that out, that that's the same, um, same website. But yeah, it's going to take a little while for, for the algorithms to figure out what the right destination is, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's that big of a deal. Yeah,
0: and I guess we have going for us that name changes are a thing that happen. Yeah, so it's not like oh, this is obscure and random. Yeah, um, sort of thing. I'd actually, I'd love for this to become a conversation with the community on like what they've done, what's worked yeah. for them, what hasn't worked, guidance and advice. We might yeah. need to actually write a Wea blog post on this one so we can get kind of a good, that's a good idea and everything going on. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's the right place for you to put kind of the, how to ask for a recommendation and some of the other links Mm -hmm. to tips and tricks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember thinking, um, I think I told Houston this on our first phone conversation (laughs) about, for some reason we're talking about the name, but I told him that either I was gonna, you know, marry somebody with a good last name. This was before I knew his last name or just take my maiden maiden name back, which is not very easy either, because it's Finnish. Um, and luckily, he has a great last
0: name. So I'm just gonna take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there are so many more women now that are getting married and just not even changing their name. Right. Yeah, which is awesome. And yep. in some ways, if I could go back and do it all over again. That's probably the path I would have chosen. I've actually known two people in uh, Europe, because
1: we work with a lot of Europeans that The man took the wife's last name, which is kind of unheard of here. But
0: yeah, there was a guy, um, Kevin, that was an agile coach that I've worked with over the years. And he and his wife merged their names and kind of they both took new names that they sort of created together, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Hannah, thank you for this. Two final questions before we wrap up. All right. What are you doing for your own professional development and growth right now? I like to ask this because it's a great way to inspire listeners for things I might consider.
1: Uh, Well, I am always, always reading books. Um, You know, I I read a lot more nonfiction than I read fiction. So I read a lot of books. I can give you a couple of recommendations that I've recently read. Um, One was uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear um, about Changing your habits, basically, and you know your habits basically change your life. Yep. Um, the other one was Deep Work by Cal Newport, and he talks a lot about putting social media away, putting distractions away to just focus on on your work for a chunk of time. Um, me being a social media manager um, might sound weird that I'm, I'm not on social media that much, but I think that there's a lot of distraction there. There's a lot of anger and bad news and things like that, that I don't need to expose myself to. So a lot of times I choose not to look at it.
0: Yeah. Those boundaries are really important.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, and one, um, that I recommend to everybody, which is a meditation book. So if you're new to meditation, this was a great book to kind of learn the basics. It's called, um, stress less accomplished more by Emily Fletcher. Um, I meditate 15 minutes every morning, super fast, super easy. I love how she explains the whole, the benefits and the process. And I have definitely seen the benefits myself. So those would be three books that I have read that have helped my personal development. And I recently uh, attended the 10 Women Strong uh, Women in Agile program, which was amazing, amazing leadership program. Awesome. So Yeah. So those are That's the great. yeah, and then of course I you know when I first started at Solutions IQ like they put, put me through CSM training. Um, yeah. I think I also want to take the um, CSPO training soon, just because I'm in a more of a product manager role now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I c- continuously keep on learning, and and of course I listen to a lot of podcasts. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent. I think podcasts have been really my go-to learning vehicle oh, yeah. lately. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm out walking. Oh yeah. Like I've burned through a lot of podcast hours that way. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I think Brené Brown's unlocking us right now is mm-hmm. my favorite podcast uh, series. Yeah. What's your favorite one right now? Other than women in agile.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, what's my favorite. So one of the good work ones is, uh, HBR women at work. Um, okay. Good recommendation. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Cool. And then any
1: final wisdom you want to share with folks today? Final wisdom. So for personal branding, um, just what you, know, what your end goal is for personal branding, don't just go out there and like, want to be loud on social media, just um, think about what the purpose is and and be respectful, like whether or not you choose to, you know, share your opinions about current events and things like that, be respectful of, of people. Um, and just get out
0: there for sure. Don't don't be shy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Don't be shy. Yeah, guest, great advice for everybody (laughs) right now. It's especially in this time of isolation, Mm -hmm. it's easy to become reclusive um, and feel overwhelmed. Oh yeah. Yeah. And don't be shy about that either. Right. Yeah. Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. I loved this conversation with you. It was really lovely to reconnect. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, thank you for listening to this episode as well. We love that you tune into the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about this podcast. You can always go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at